All right. About a couple of months ago, we um, talked about the Lord's Prayer and about how to pray and so on. I actually want to, I want to build on what we did in that sort of time, sinking sea here, um, and actually, look, a prayer life is is one of the most powerful things you can have. All right. If you, I mean, if you notice that the most difficult things in life tend to be the things that are most beneficial. Yeah. The things that we find most challenging are the things that are actually usually the best for us. And the things that are most controversial in the church tend to be the things that are actually the most powerful. Yeah? So things like, you know, being able to step in and out of heaven is controversial. Why? Because it's powerful. So they're the things that get fought. Does that make sense? Yeah? I mean, I grew up, you know, I, mean, I grew up in a very conservative church. Yeah? But what I, what, I love about, what I love about that background is that, you know, I learned to, I learned to love the Bible. You know, that there was that grounding. I mean, and every, every part of the church brings a strength, yeah? Our challenge is to not reject what's out there, but to reject, to, but to accept the goodness that God brings through every area, yeah? Does that make sense? You know, how do you sharpen a knife? With something that's very hard. Yeah? yeah? Whether it be a stone or a, you know, a blade or whatever it is, you sharpen it with something hard. And like the Bible says iron sharpens iron. Yeah? And so we need to draw on the good of what God's done previously to build on what you have now. And it's things like prayer and the word and being able to step in and out of heaven are actually, they should be a foundation that we can build on. Yeah? Does that make sense? Yeah? And it's, it's great to have experiences where you wander through heaven and you get visions and so on, but I think too often we can get caught into that and actually miss what really is the power, and it's that relationship with God, and it's walking out that relationship through discipline. And that's not a popular word, really, is it? You know, my, my wife's been, you know, over on the other side of the country for three or four days now. I'm not counting. Um. <laughs> you know, and, and the challenge that I have is to try and maintain some sort of schedule in life. <laughs> Being mother, father, you know, pastoring a church, working as a coach in another job and, and just life in between and, you know, then important events like football and I promise you I won't mention the Eagles any more than the fact that they won last night and won convincingly and, you know, well, not convincingly, but... It was convincing when you, you know, lose a couple of good defenders and you still do well, so I won't mention it too many times. Um, but... I actually mentioned that for a reason because I actually listened to the radio yesterday and they were interviewing um, Mick Malthouse, who was the Eagles coach during the 90s, and they had Guy McKenna, who was their vice-captain. And they, was, they were talking about how, you know, they started as a club in, you know, the late 80s. And so 1990, they hit their first final, which was against Collingwood, who they beat yesterday. But they're actually talking about the 91 grand final, which was the first grand final they made as a club. And, you know, they're there and they're, you know, they're playing well. And he said... And the vice-captain, Louis McKenna, was talking about they got to three-quarter time and they're only 10 points down. And he said, I remember walking back out in the field in the start of the last quarter going, we can do this. You know, we're only 10 points down. We can do this. And he said, Hawthorne, the team that I'm playing, he said, 
Within two minutes, he realised they couldn't do it. He said, Hawthorne went up a level. He said, I realised we did not have. Because this was their first time in a grand final. Their first time in that experience. And they often say you have to lose a grand final to win one. And he said, look, I don't necessarily agree with that, but he said what we discovered was they had another level to go to that we didn't have. Their experience, their knowledge of how to play in that situation in big games... I've just been able to go, they said they just went up this level and he said we just got blown away in that last quarter because they've had something we did not have. And that's what we have in God, that we have his word, that we have prayer and that we have that ability to step into heaven and come face to face with the Father and to be able to interact and intercede before him and to to worship and to, to engage what is happening and to govern. But if we don't, Walk the discipline, we don't get there. You know, Hawthorne had built another level. They say there's actually a a thing that football teams do, that they get to, you know, about two or three weeks out from going to the final series, and if they know that they've made the finals, you know, if they're in the top one or two positions, often they actually start to change their training regime and they actually take it up a level because they realise that finals is a whole different sort of beast to, to what the regular season is. That when you get into finals, the intensity goes up. Because if you lose, it's over. So they start to change a little bit of their training regime and they actually increase the training. And often the top teams will lose the last couple of games of the season because they're training harder. So when they come into the game, they actually don't have as much to, to give. But by doing that, when they hit the finals three or four weeks later, they actually have a higher level of fitness, a higher level of intensity, a higher level of discipline to be able to play at the level of finals. And that's what I'm looking for us to start to build, is that level of intensity that we've been, we've been engaging heaven, you know, as, as, a, as a group for, you know, nearly a couple of years now, two, three, four years, I'm not sure how long it is, sometime in there, depending on how long you've been involved. And, you know, and what can happen at this stage is that we can start to get complacent. And we can start to, oh, yeah, this is all right, you know. And we can do things like, you know, we can watch church online rather than rocking up on a Sunday or a Monday. You know, it's okay. I, I watch it online. It's, it's fine, you know. I listen to a couple of sermons. I don't need to read my Bible. I can just listen to a sermon or I can just, you know, think about it. Or, and we start to drop discipline. And what happens when you drop discipline? you don't have the intensity to be able to go out there and finish the game. You know, Paul says we run the race. So I really want to encourage us, and we're going to do a little bit of praying and and stepping into heaven and engaging today, but I really want us to just encourage to to not become weary in doing good, as the Bible says. Don't become weary in doing good, because it says at the proper time you reap a harvest. You know, Proverbs 23, 7 says that as you think in your heart, so you are. And I was, I was sort of meditating on that and, and remembering when um, we went, we were in the US last year and, and it, about this time, a bit later, yeah, about this time last year and, and we were going through and we'd just left um, Florida and we were sort of up on, I think it's Panama City, I think it's called. Uh, near Pensacola, and it's this beautiful place on the beach, you know, one of those sort of, you know, you've got the money, you go and have your holiday resort there as long as there's no hurricanes coming through, you know, um, and it's just just beautiful, you know. It's like being, you know, 
down Busselton or somewhere in Esperance or something like that. So that sort of beaches, it's just pristine, you know, the, the whales come through and it's just all... And there's a, lot of, there's a lot of wealth in the area. And we drove from there and we're driving up to Dallas and so that's quite a serious drive. So we decided to stop halfway along in Louisiana. Really in the middle of Louisiana, in the middle of nowhere. And we got to the middle of Louisiana and you could actually almost smell and feel the poverty. Like I've, you know, I mean, I've been through Thailand and parts of Indonesia and, and you know, I mean, and we're talking about the back blocks of Thailand working with, you know, those in leper colonies and some of you have been with us, you know, you've seen the poverty there. But this was like nothing I've ever experienced. There was this ownership of the poverty like it was a right. You know, it was, it was the, you know, the park trailers as they call them, you know, and they would put these sheds over the top of them and it was almost like they would they would had their right to live in their poverty with their little trailer and have that little little boat they go out on the, the swamps with and catch their catfish and you know, it was this they embraced the poverty and you you sort of went around and you know, went to down to the shops, pick up some stuff and, and the people and the whole experience was like, look, we're poor, as they say. And it's our right almost. This is how we are. And it was their identity. And there was no desire to change that even. That that was their capacity. And it was just the contrast of coming out of the wealth of Florida into the middle of that. And to be honest with you, we couldn't get out of there quick enough. You know, we stayed there that night. We got up early in the morning and the people who owned the, the house was an Airbnb we're in. And, you know, oh, we'll see you in the morning and have some breakfast. We just packed up in the morning and got in the car and drove. Because it was just oppressive all around us. And that they owned that because as you think in your heart, so you are. And that's what settling does. When you start to look at your circumstances from down here rather than up there, you start to settle. You start to own where you're at and you start to go, this is all there is. But I've discovered that if you want to break that, you have to break that through discipline. You want to change how you think. You want to change what your heart is. That actually takes discipline. You know, people say, oh, I've, I've tried this prosperity thing and it doesn't work. Well, I'm sorry, but either the Bible's true or it isn't. There's, there's no in-between. Either the Bible's true or isn't. And the Bible says that we're seated with him in heavenly places. Amen. The Bible says that there's wealth and riches in your house. The Bible says that you have the authority to govern. And what God ordains, God pays for. Yeah? Because you're an ambassador for the King of Kings. You know, and if you're an ambassador and you go to another country, you don't pay your own way. The government of the country you belong to pays your way. Yeah? You represent them, so they want you to look good. Yeah? Even if they've got nothing, they still want you to look good. But the thing is that we serve the King of Kings. And he's given us that. And so I'm going to use the finance thing as just an illustration of how we can settle and go, this is where I am in life, and we just sort of come under that. Whereas he's calling us to go higher, not just in the finance, but in every area of our life. That when it comes to sickness, we should be able to step up and push it off. And the Bible says you resist the devil, he has to flee. 
And people say to me, well, I resisted him, he didn't flee. I'm sorry, but the Bible is not telling a lie. It says if you resist the devil, he has to flee. So either there's a problem with your resisting or the Bible's not true. I'm choosing the first one. You know what I mean? If you have an issue, if 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 we're not stepping up and governing, and see, the thing is that the attack of the devil comes and we sort of go, oh, and we start to pull out verses, you know, and, and that's when we start to do the discipline. That's like saying, I'm going to be an AFL player tomorrow. I'm going to go and play next week, you know. I'm going to go play for, for Hawthorne. How long am I going to last in a game? Probably not even a minute. Yeah, it's a bit like my cross-trainer experience. Sorry? <laughs> Free men, I'll play out a whole game. <laughs> Isn't free men just another word for training cones? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Actually, it's really interesting. Someone asked Nat Fife this week why, why he plays, why stay at Fremantle? You know, why stay there? He said, look, they pay me $1.2 million. You know, I get to live in beautiful Perth and I get every September off. (laughs) Anyway, getting back on topic. What were we talking about? (laughs) But but that's that's what discipline does. See, if you want to be able to defeat the devil, you've got to be disciplined. I have I have faith, you know, I have faith that moves mountains, but gee. <laughs> I know the Bible says nothing is possible for God, but that one's pushing my faith. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> Truth hurts. <laughs> so anyway. I'm living high, so it's all good, you know. Yeah, one of the best things about this is that one of the guys I work with, one of the key coaches, is, a, is an avid Collingwood supporter, so I'm just hanging out for tomorrow. Because I got an eight o'clock phone call with him, so he were on. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she probably is. <laughs> Move on now. Look, I got to milk it. Who knows what's going to happen next game? <laughs> anyway, back to discipline. All right. I want us to be that people that make that difference. All right. I want us to be that people that. Look, stuff's going to come and there's going to be times that we get beaten up. That's how life works. You know, we live in a fallen world. But we have the authority in this place. And sometimes you get that breakthrough like that. Other times it takes a fight. But I want us to be up for the fight. I want us to build that resilience. I want us to build that faith. I want us to build that experience. And you only build the experience by doing it. Yeah, just like Lou was talking, he says, you know, if they hadn't gone through the 91 grand final and seen the last quarter Hawthorne go up that level and absolutely just demolish them, they would never have won in 92. Because when it came around the next season, they're going, now we know what we have to do to be the best. And they did, and then two years later, they absolutely blew Geelong off the path. Why? Because they'd been there, they'd done it once, they were ready. That's how we need to be. So I want to firstly encourage you, if you, if you feel like you're fighting a fight, that you're under it all, keep walking. Yeah, 
You know, as one man, as one man says, if, if, you, if you're in the middle of hell, keep walking. Don't stop, keep walking. All right? The worst thing you can do is stop. I know that's not always easy. I know there's days you just want to lay down and curl up on your bed and go, I give in. All right? We all, everyone feels like that. All right? But what makes a difference is those who keep walking, who keep building that discipline, who keep building that strength. You know, I remember I was talking to you guys and I thought, I remember hitting the start of this year and, and I thought that I had a, a real strength in a certain area of finance that was really happening. And then this situation occurred that absolutely hit me and the first words out of my mouth weren't faith. And I remember catching myself after I said it and, and just being so mad. And I wasn't mad because of what I'd said us on. I was mad because I thought I had a higher level of faith in that area. And that's where you have a choice. I could either go, oh, this isn't working now, or I can go, you know what? That's a weakness I need to strengthen. And so I focus on it. And I take the word of God and I start to speak it and I start to meditate it and I start to put it in that area. And I make your weakness into a strength. That's what faith is. All right, I put this great, oh, I can't show you on my phone because it's casting, but I found this picture this week. um, It's of a dandelion. Um, head. If you know what they look like, they're the ones, little ones that you blow and they float off everywhere. All right, and it's got this this fantastic photo of that. It's obviously a bit of, bit of lighting and so on, and it's got these two seeds because they're just seeds. That's why you don't really want to blow them in your yard because they'll cover your yard with seeds. And you end up with a whole lot of them next year and go, "Oh, where'd they come from?" Well, you sowed the seed. Yeah. <laughs> All right, but it's got these two just these two seeds floating off, and I put it on my phone to remind me the power of a seed. The power of a seed. That when you pray, you know, Paul says, you know, the Bible, you know, he talks about, he says, Paul planted, Apollos watered, but God brings the increase. And what I, what I discovered this week is you don't know whether you, when you're praying and when you're putting the word of God in and when you're declaring stuff, maybe you're planting. Maybe you're watering. But either way, God will use what you say to bring the increase because your words are powerful. And so... I want to say to you, you know, to keep pushing on, to keep praying the Word of God, to keep speaking the Word of God, to keep putting it in and pushing on. Because you don't know if you're planting seed or you might be watering seed, but either way, you're giving God room and the hosts of heaven to actually respond to what you're doing because you are a governor. You are powerful. You have the authority of the king in every situation. And I think the problem with the church so often now is that we're so busy dealing with our situation that we're forgetting what's happening out there in the world. And we've got to rise above that level. You know, that's like playing, you know, in Auskick level. It's all about me. You ever seen Auskickers play? You know, they all go for the ball and when they get the ball, there's no passing. They're just running with the ball, you know, because it's all about me and my experience. We've got to get above that level to the point where we're actually governing. We have that authority. We're not just changing our world, we're changing the world that is around us. That's our responsibility. That's our accountability before God. And we have to rise to that level. But you only do that through discipline. You know, I watch Ben, you know, train. You know, to get him to do other things is sometimes a task, but, you know. But... I come home from work and 
if he's not in the house, I can guarantee he'll be in the backyard and he'll have been there for one or two hours already. And he's just going through drills time and time and time again. Yesterday he was down there with his coach. He's got a coach that works with him, you know. He'll go down there for an hour, hour and a half at a time. And they just do drill after drill. And they're just doing this one drill and they keep doing it. You know, there's 20 balls. He's doing the same thing over and over, over 20 things. They go and collect all the balls again and they go through the drill again. The same thing over and over and over again until he's got it down. And then you watch him play his game and he gets out in the game and he starts to do it automatically. Why? Because he's been through the drill. He's done the discipline. That's what I'm talking about. It's about going, you know what? I get up every morning and I read my Bible. I get up every morning and I step into heaven and I pray. And I may only do it for five minutes to start with, but that five minutes becomes 10 minutes. And then it's 20 minutes. And then it's half an hour. And then I'm going for an hour. And before long, you know, I might be sitting up all night and I'm praying and I'm governing and I'm not tired at the end of it. I'm refreshed because I've been walking through heaven. And then you step into your workplace and suddenly you start to see what God is doing in your workplace because you've built that discipline and you've changed how you see life. It's not all about you, it's about them and what God's doing. And suddenly you start to speak into your workplace and you start to make a difference and you start to change lives. That's the power of discipline. It's that piece by piece change. Yeah? Does that make sense? All right. Is that the proper time you reap a harvest? Yeah, exactly. That's what it says. Let me read to you quickly out of Mark chapter 4, verse 30, and then we're going to do some praying. Is that all right? This is the parable of the mustard seed. And Jesus said, to what should we liken the kingdom of God? All right, are we in the kingdom of God? I think too often we sort of miss that part and go on to the next bit. But this is actually key. Mark 4, 30, to what should we liken the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God is the authority that we're supposed to operate in. Jesus said, I came to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. Now, if Jesus came to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth... What are we supposed to be doing? Bringing the kingdom of heaven to earth. Because you see, he went and did it, and then he taught his disciples it. Then he's had the 70, then he's got the 120, then there's the 500, and all these people are learning what? How to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. And he says to them, you know, one day, he says, look, I'm heading back up to heaven, but I want you to hang around until you get the Holy Spirit. And then you'll go and be my witnesses. What are they being witnesses of? Heaven on earth. They're supposed to be witnesses as to what Jesus did. He says where? To the ends of the earth. So we continue on with that mandate to go into all the world and preach the gospel, preach the good news. What's the good news? The kingdom of heaven has come. The kingdom of heaven has come and his name is Jesus. And we're supposed to be bringing heaven on earth. All right? So what do we liken this kingdom of God, this kingdom of heaven that we're supposed to be living out and seeing here on earth? To what parable should we compare it? It's like a grain of a mustard seed, 
which when sown in the ground is a small seed on earth, yet when it's sown, it grows up and becomes greater than all the shrubs. So this small seed, when you do the disciplined things, when you're in the word, when you're in prayer, when you're in worship, when you're engaging heaven, they become seeds that you sow, that grow up into a tree. But I like this bit. Yet when it's sown, it grows up and becomes greater than all the shrubs and shoots out great branches so the birds of the air may nest in its shade. That when you plant that seed and it starts to bring a harvest, it doesn't just change your life, it changes the environment around you. That's what we're called to do. That's the kingdom of heaven on earth. It's not just changing your life, it's changing the world around you. Yeah? Yeah? You know, Jesus said when he comes back, he's coming back for his bride, his perfect bride. And, you know, we have this thing, we look in Revelation and there's all this turmoil and all this hoo-ha and all this bad stuff and we think everything has to get worse for God to come back. That's not really true. He's coming back for his perfect bride. That means life's getting better. I don't know about you, but the weddings I go to are usually happy. The ones I do are anyway. Yeah, I don't think I've yet been to a wedding that was sad. That's why people prefer weddings over funerals. <laughs> Although I've got to say, I had a good time at my last funeral, but let's not go there. <laughs> I like when someone dies and goes to heaven, it's a happy occasion. Yep, so, but, but weddings are generally happy occasions, yeah? They're times of celebration. So if he's coming back for the bride, that means that we're looking forward to good things. Yeah? There's a celebration. We need to start bringing heaven on earth. We need to start getting ready for the celebration. Start changing our environment, not going, oh, it's all terrible, but being the influence through what we plant, to what we're watering, to what we're seeing grow. Because it won't just change your life. You know, you plant a big tree in your yard, it doesn't just shade your yard, it shades everybody else's. <laughs> Absolutely. Had that lovely friend who, you know, puts the palm tree over my pool. Well, here, but yeah. It's like, man, all the stuff you got to clean out of your pool. So there's, there's that bad bit. But we're talking about a, a mustard seed tree here. Nice tree. Nice and leafy, lots of shade. Yeah? You know, we're called oaks of righteousness. Oak trees, huge, great trees to be around. Yeah? That's us. Why do I put my Bible down? We're going through that. All right, so we're going to do some praying, yes? Do you remember we talked about the Lord's Prayer about a month or six weeks ago or whatever it was, whenever my wife was last away? <sighs> she goes and leaves me at these times, I don't know. Partying on the other side of the country. Said to her last night, where are you? She's at the pub. <laughs> the only reason that the pub is the only place you could watch the football. But let's not go there. All right, Matthew chapter 6. Matthew 6. I want us to great break. I want us to break into. I want us to break into five groups of four. Five groups of four, and if you're a couple, can we sort of like maybe separate you? 
we love you, but we're going to separate you. All right. So can we break, maybe rearrange our chairs into yeah, group five groups of four? See if we can spread the guys out too. Since one, two, three, four. Look, there's five guys. So you've got six guys. Okay. So one group will have two guys, but the rest of you guys at least one. So we've got to spread. Actually, there's seven guys. I can count. Really, I'm that good. <laughs> Yeah. Do you know how many hours I work, you know, at the moment? Still work. Don't have to get stressed about it, just busy. All right, and those who are online who are joining us, you know, grab your partner. Grab your neighbour or just grab the host of heaven, whoever's around you. <laughs> Cloud of witnesses, we don't mind. So you've got five groups of four. All right, there's three blokes over here. Really, guys? <laughs> okay, can we get... Two of you guys to come out of there. There you go. So if one of you guys go there. All right, one of you guys, you can go back, Simon. That's all right. All right, there's one more there, and there's one more there. Gee, that was, wasn't hard. That's all right. And we've got a group of three. That's all right. That's all right. We can work with that. That's because the, uh, they're higher level discipline. They can, you know, increase expectation. <laughs> all right. If you have a Bible among you at least, hopefully, one that you can actually look on a page. Matthew chapter 6. All right. I'm going to run through really quickly how this works again. And then we're going to do some praying. Yeah? This is what you can do at home. By yourself, with your partner, whatever it is, all right, with your family. All right, so he says, pray this minute. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name is about reverencing God. So it's really about worship and praise and acknowledging who God is. Why do you start there? Because it gets you out of your mentality of, I'm down here under the circumstances. Oh, God, are you there? To actually putting God in context. When you start to hallow his name, when you start to honour and revere who he is, and well, a good trick here is actually to go, good trick, good tip maybe, is to actually go through and get the names of God. There's about eight or nine you can really grab. Internet's loaded with them, you know, good old Google. Um, and just pull them out. And they're the names of God, you know, that God, your healer. You know, God, your righteousness. God, your banner, your identity, your authority. God, your provider. All right, you can go through those names and you start to, you can go through those and worship him. You know, I thank you, God, that you are creator, that all authority is you. And so going through and just all acknowledging who he is, and it takes you from down here, stepping into heaven through honor of who he is and who you are in him. Yeah? That's why it starts with that. 
It doesn't start with, you're a lowly worm, you've done all these sins. That's further on. It starts with, not who are you, but who is your God? And when you know who your God is, you start to know who you are. Because you're in him and he's in you and you're one in Jesus and he's one in the Father. So therefore, you're one in the Father too. Amen. Yeah? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is about praying into those areas of your life. So it's praying into your family. It's praying into us as a church. It's praying into our government. It's praying into our city. It's praying into your suburb. All right? God's will. And we speak the result, not the process. We don't speak what is, we speak what we seek to see. Yes? Really important. Because God already knows what's happening. I don't think you have to tell him. All right? It's like me ringing my wife up today and saying, hey, you were at the pub last night. I think she knows that. Because <laughs> we've already had that conversation. Yeah? It's like going to God and saying, God, do you see how bad it is down here? That's not what we pray. We pray what we want to see happen. And again, not the process. We don't tell God how to do it. We speak the end result. You know? If it's healing you need, then you speak health and wholeness. You pray that into the person or into yourself. Yeah? You need a financial breakthrough? You don't say, God, I need to win lotto. You know? God, I need you to talk to my boss about giving me a pay rise because, no, no. You know, we still, what you do is you're telling God how to do it. Yeah? When, I, when I needed a new car, I didn't go, God, I need you to do this, 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 this so I can buy a car. I said, God, I need this car. And so I started to pray for the car. And he did it in ways that I would not have expected because that's what he does. Yeah? Because he likes to show off. God really is a show off, I'm telling you. You don't believe me, look at your garden. Take a trip out to Araluan. Go for a drive through the hills. Head down to the beach. See the variety that's there, the amazing stuff. God likes to show off. Yeah? Because he's very creative. He made everything. Yeah? All right. Give us this day our daily bread. That's where you bring your daily stuff to you. You know? You're going, God, I'll just pray into what I have. Now, can I give you a little, another little tip here? Sometimes you get down into this whole, oh, go to Deuteronomy 28. It's got the blessings and the curses. Just ignore the curses, the second half of the chapter, so you don't have to ignore it easy. But start at verse 1 and start to pray through that when it comes to this part because it's really cool stuff in there. It says that he will bless or he has blessed because through Jesus it is blessed. He has blessed and it covers every part of your life. Yeah? You've got to take it out of the context of what it is into where you are. It says he you know, blesses your, herds, your, your herds and your flocks and your vineyards and so on. You're going, I don't have herds and flocks and vineyards. No, but you have what you do in your job. It says you'll bless the work of your hands. It says you'll bless your storehouse. In other words, your bank accounts and your investments. So go through and pray that. It's really cool. He, then, he, then he says things like, you're above and not beneath. You're the head and not the tail. He says that you're so wealthy that you'll lend to many nations, and you'll finance nations, but you won't have to borrow. Amen. Pray through that. Yeah? So don't get down into it, give us this day our daily bread. Lord, I pray I'll have bread and water. Lord, I pray that I may lend to many nations. 
and influence them for your kingdom and not have to borrow because I am so wealthy. I don't even have to think about money. Yeah? Forgive us our debts or forgive us our sins as we forgive our debtors or those who have sinned against us. All right? No, I love how far you've got before you're actually dealing with stuff like that. Yeah? Before you're washing your feet. Remember that? Don't remember that? Go back to the term. But yeah, make sure things are right between you and God. Don't get caught in it. Do it from above. Lord, I just roll these things onto you and ask you forgive me, help me to overcome them and forgive anyone who has wronged me. Really important. All right? Deliver us from evil. I live on temptation, deliver us from evil. Lord, strengthen me as I go out today that I walk out in your armour. Ephesians. Galatians. It's Ephesians? <laughs> Sudden thing. Hold on, is it Galatians? <laughs> in Ephesians, you know, you put on the armour of God. The helmet of salvation, you're saved. The breastplate of righteousness, you are righteous. You're the righteousness of God. The belt of truth, you walk in his truth. The shield of faith, because you walk by faith. The sword of the spirit, the word of God. That your 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 feet are shod with the gospel of peace. That's what you go ahead and do. Yeah? For yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. In other words, God, it's all in your hands. You just end with worship, acknowledging again who God is. Does that make sense? So what I want you guys to do for the next 15 minutes, because we're still in training ground, right, is to step through that and actually each of you take one section. So it might mean taking two sections. I don't know how I haven't worked out the difference here. But actually go through and go, you know what, I'll do the first bit first and the next person next to you, I'll do the next one, I'll do the next one and then work your way around the group, around the group. I'm going three steps. So someone starts by just declaring how good God is. Yeah? Just for, I'm not talking, we've only got 15 minutes. So I'm not talking, you know, we're going to storm the whole. Now we are. That's cool. In 15 minutes, we're just going to change society, all right? Let, let me finish with a really quick story, just to just to show how fifteen minutes can make a difference. Um, I was in Kenneth Copeland talking about he, his, he was, had his plane and um, he was heading back to his plane and he just finished a meeting, got in his car, and he got it, he was driving on the way there and and he had a guy driving him and the guy's phone rang and he gave it. He says for you and it was his pilot and he says we can't open the door on the plane. He says it's jammed and we've been trying to. So he said so we've rung Boeing. And they said they could send somebody out in the morning. They're going to drill a hole in the door. And he went, oh, stop there. No one's drilling holes in my plane. <laughs> he said, look, I'm on my way there. Let me just see when I get there. I'm about 20 minutes away. And so he hung up the phone and he just sort of went, God, what's going on here? And he said, God gave him one verse to pray. And so I can't remember what the verse was, but he said, okay. And so he spoke that verse just stepped into heaven and he spoke that verse into the plane. And that was it. He said, too, too often we think that we have to, you know, we, we get this revelation from God, we speak that revelation, and then we go and add all our stuff on because we're trying to conjure up our faith. All right? You don't have to do that. You just have to speak what God says about a situation. You just speak that into it. If you haven't struggled, if your mind's going, then just speak it again and thank God it's done. Speak it again and thank God it's done. All right? You don't have to keep adding all your words 
because you start to, you know, drown the plant. Yeah? You just got to put the right amount into the plant, yeah? So you speak that word because that, what, that's what that situation needs. He says he did that. Five minutes later, the phone rings. He says to the pilot, he says, you know, I just felt, you know, I'm going to have a nice last look at that door. He said, I walked out that door, turned the handle, popped open. All right? That's what the power of God does. Yeah? So in 15 minutes, you just got to speak the word of God. So we're going to take a couple of minutes just to, you know, as you say, I'm doing this, I'm doing this, and you work out what each one's going to do. All right? At the end of that, just before we start that, we're going to take a couple of minutes just to engage heaven and step into heaven. We're going to do this from up there, not from down here. And that's what honouring him does. So we'll take that minute just to honour him, to step into heaven, and we're going to pray from up there. Yes? All right. Give me, let me give you one last illustration. Mick Malthouse talked about when he came over to the Eagles. He said he realised that they weren't one team. What they were was they were a whole lot of waffle clubs that came together. And he said they, they, would, they would congregate into their teams. You know, Claremont, the Claremont players would go over there, the East Ferrari players went over there, the Subi players went over there, and he realised that they, didn't, they weren't one team. And that's where he built the culture. And he says, and he's a Victorian, he says, that's where I built the culture of us versus them. He said, I started to say, Victorian, they're our enemy. He said, because what happened was they saw each other as their opposition because they were still representing their waffle clubs, their lower-level clubs. And he says he united them because they had one opponent, and that was the AFL. That's where that culture comes from of, you know, we're West Australian, we fight the rest of them. Yeah? yeah? And that was the uniting factor. We've got one anyway. I know you might feel uncomfortable. You might feel a little bit unsure because you haven't done this with people in your group. That's how those guys felt. They were playing with guys from other clubs. They didn't know how they went, how they thought. But remember this, we've got one opponent. It's not the world out there, it's the devil. The world's our battleground, yeah? We battle in the heavenlies to change what's here. So I really encourage you to push through any uncomfortableness and to step into what God has for you because as we do that, we'll unite. We pull together, we get disciplined together and we bring that change. Yeah? Let's close our eyes for a sec. Father, we want to honour you. We want to honour you for your word that brings life and power, that we can use it as, a, as encouragement, we can use it as a weapon, that it's an authority in our life that you have given us because Jesus and his word are one. And so, Lord, we choose to live by your word. We choose to pray today by your word. We choose to take authority today by your word. We choose to worship by your word. Lord, we want to engage you. So we choose now to step into you. We choose life. And we thank you that according to your word, that you welcome us, that you've brought us into you, that we are one in you. We are one with your son. We are one with Holy Spirit. 
Lord, you said in James that our prayers, the prayers of the righteous are powerful and effective and that we are, you said, your righteousness. We are the righteousness of God. So we thank you that the prayers that we pray this morning are powerful and effective. And we choose not to look with earthly eyes, but with the eyes of heaven. We want to bless you and we honour you. So whoever's first, let's go. Next 15 minutes. I'll keep you moving through.